Hi, I'm Dan Jones. And I'm Mia Lee, and we are the editors of Modern Love at the New York Times and co-hosts of the Modern Love podcast. We read love stories for a living. And by love stories, we mean essays written by real people about all forms of human connection. We're talking about everything from first dates to funerals, from sibling rivalries to new love at 85. On our show, we're going to bring those stories to life. We'll hear from the writers and also from the people who are written about. Relationships are the most important things in our lives. And the people that tell us their stories are just so brave, like way braver than I think I am most of the time. Yeah. They're so honest and so vulnerable. And listening to the stories, I feel like you absorb so much wisdom and you get a sense that you're not alone. You can follow Modern Love wherever you get your podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. We hope you'll join us. New episodes are out every Wednesday. From The New York Times, I'm Michael Barbaro. This is The Daily. Today. Any day now, Senate Republicans will present a vision for overhauling health care that could take insurance away from millions and millions of Americans. And very few people, not even many Republicans, know what's in the bill. Why Senate leaders are crafting the most important legislation of the Trump presidency in secret. It's Monday, June 19th. Let me ask you about domestically the issue of health care. Your Republican colleague, uh, Senator Ron Johnson, said, I want to know exactly what's in the Senate bill. It's not a good process. What's your assessment of the process of evaluating health care in the Senate? Yeah, it's always tough because it's difficult to put something like this together uh, in, a, at, uh, you know, in front of every camera in the world. But ultimately, every camera in the world is going to have to see what's in it, and we're going to have to have plenty of time to debate it. Carl Hulse, what are the conditions under which... Senate Republicans are now writing their health care bill. Give us the scene. Well, I mean, some of the top Republicans are working behind closed doors, quite honestly, to try and come up with something that can get the magic 50 votes, you know, and it's it's a question of like really sensitively turning the dials to try and get mm-hmm. one vote here without losing a vote there. But they're doing it in private and there's a really good reason for that. Well, what is the reason? They don't want anyone to know what's in their bill. <laughs> well, first of all, tell me what you mean when you say doing it in private and behind closed doors. What, what does that well, actually they, look they, like? They, they talk, uh, you know, they have lunches regularly, and those lunches are always private. But there are also Republicans right now who aren't happy with this. It's not just the Democrats who are clamoring. Mm. We've begun to hear from Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. If I'm not going to see a bill before uh, we have a vote on it, that's just not uh, a good way to handle something that is as significant as Im- and important as, as health care. Some of the other members saying, hey, we don't know what's in this either. We need to know what's in it. The Senate is not a place where you can just cook up something behind closed doors and rush it for a vote on the floor. Uh, there's just, especially on an issue like this. So they may... Carl, how many senators... Are we talking about here when we talk about the group of people who, well, I mean, if, who are if, doing this? If you ask Mitch McConnell, he would say all 52 Republicans have a voice. Nobody's hiding the ball here. Uh, you're free to ask anybody anything. I think it changes from day to day and depends on the issue. But at the end of the day, it's going to be decided honestly by Mitch McConnell and a couple of other people and his staff. They're going to say, OK, we're at a place. Mm-hmm. We've got the votes and we can go forward. How does this compare 
to how a typical piece oh, of well. legislation is drafted <laughs> in the United States Senate. Well, I mean, typically, I, I always refer to the old schoolhouse rock. I'm just a bill <laughs> up on Capitol Hill, right? Well, now I'm stuck in committee and I'll sit here and wait while a few key congressmen discuss and debate. I mean, you would have committee hearings, you would have mm-hmm. uh, markups on various proposals, you would have coalitions come in and talk. You would have a chance for people to weigh in and alter this. Now, Claire McCaskill raised a big ruckus at a finance committee Mm -hmm. meeting. So my first question that I would make of the chair is, will we have a hearing on the health care proposal? Will we? Yes. Uh, uh, Pressing Orrin Hatch saying, hey, are we going to actually have a hearing Hmm. on this bill? We would really like to hear what's in there. We don't even know. We have no idea what's being proposed. There's a group of guys in a back room somewhere that are making these decisions. There were no hearings in the House. I mean, listen, So, yeah, this is nothing like a normal bill. It's very unusual. So what we're talking about here is that basically one day Republicans are going to emerge with a more or less fully formed bill, whereas typically there's all sorts of public hearings and debate and back and forth and conversations. Yeah, certainly on something of this magnitude. I mean, Republicans inserted quite a few amendments actually into the Affordable Care Act Hmm. during the process. People forget about that. But there were, you know, hearings forever on that. And Republicans did have a chance to weigh in, an actual uh, pretty considerable chance, really. So you said the Republicans who are leading this don't want anyone to know what's in this (laughs) bill. Why is that? Well, because then it comes under attack and it gives uh, the opposition groups plenty of time to line up their arguments Mm -hmm. against it. It even gives Republicans who may be willing in the end to go along with the time to push for their changes. This is going to be such a delicate product when it's done, right? If you have a little tinkering one direction or the other, you're going to lose votes and maybe lose your majority. So they're hoping to come up with something, get it out there, vote on it, and then see what happens with the House. But the more that's public about it, the more that people can line up against various provisions. And and this is a bill that directly affects so many people Mm -hmm. that the consequences are very real for them. So they tend to weigh in. And Congress is not usually in the business of taking away benefits from people. And it makes it really, really politically charged. And so they're leery of that. So what do we think is likely to be most controversial in this bill? Do you do you have a sense of that? You know, it's hard to say as even some of the Republican senators say, well, we can't say anything because we don't know what's in the bill ourselves. But we know what the key areas are, how much you can provide sure coverage for pre-existing conditions. Mm-hmm. How much of the Medicaid expansion do you keep? I think, you know, it's going to be the points of controversy that we've seen in the past on this, and they're just trying to fine-tune it to the point where they can get 50 votes. That is the goal here. Right. (laughs) Just whatever we have to do to assemble a 50-vote-getting machine, that's what we're going to do. And we don't want too many people throwing wrenches into the process before we're ready. And I guess we should remind people of the way this math works. 50 votes is traditionally not enough to get something through the U.S. Senate, but when the vice president is a Republican and he's casting the tie-breaking vote, 
it is. Right. And also, this is being done through reconciliation. I mean, normally in the Senate, really, it takes 60 votes, Mm -hmm. which was the great advantage that the Democrats had when they did the Affordable Care Act and were able to do it on their own. They had 60 votes for a brief period in the Senate, and it allowed them to do it without Republican votes. Republicans don't have that, so they also have to go through this process, which is another real wrinkle because there's only – it's called reconciliation. I know we're down in the weeds here. Carl, when you say the word reconciliation, in my mind, that means that the Senate is trying to literally reconcile their ideas about health care with this House bill. No, that no, was, no, 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 no. I, I, I could go back. Can we please, can we please reconcile I, our I, understanding? I, I, I can go back to I'm just a bill up on Capitol Hill, but I don't think that one actually got into reconciliation. <laughs> what you're talking about is what would be a conference committee that would happen later. Uh-huh. But reconciling is reconciling the actual policy and legislation with the budget numbers. That's Mm. the reconciliation is between those two things. So you set up this kind of process through the budget, and that's what you're reconciling with. Also, some people uh, tend to think that it means that the lawmakers are reconciling themselves (laughs) to it, but that doesn't mean that either. (laughs) All right. Well, all that being said, is there a compelling case for why it should be done precisely as it's being done with so much secrecy? Sure, if you don't want people to know what's in your bill and attack it. I mean, you know, I'm sort of a government purist or Hmm. a a goody two-shoes guy when it comes (laughs) to government. I know that's hard to imagine. But, you know, it's like put it out there. Have a debate on it. Let people weigh in on it. Mm -hmm. Have the votes on the floor. You know, the Senate has gotten into this uh, cycle recently where everyone is – scared to take votes. I've always said, you know, just vote on things. I think that uh, people... Do you actually say that to senators? I mean, you, yeah. you're in the unique position of being able to say that to them. What do they I say, say I say, why don't you just vote? And, you know, a lot of senators will say, we wish we had more votes, and the Democrats uh, would definitely say that. But the place has become so partisan that there's no room for this kind of back and forth negotiation on this kind of bill. And uh, Mm. it's definitely not the way that they cooked it up for Schoolhouse Rock, if I want to keep going back to that one. You mean the founders? (laughs) Well, you know, they actually met in secret, you know, at the beginning. The Senate was uh, a a closed body. So they weren't all that much for openness either, to tell you the truth. But (laughs) over the, uh, you know, eons here, you know, it's developed into a more open process. There's always secrecy on Capitol Hill. But this is probably a new level, really, for something of this magnitude. So this makes me want to talk about Hillary Clinton. (laughs) And I remember back in 1993 Mm -hmm. when President Bill Clinton asked then First Lady Hillary Rodham to take the lead in overhauling the American healthcare system in a way that felt pretty secretive. In public, Hillary Clinton has resolutely avoided the hard questions of how to pay for it all. I'm not going to make any any statement about exactly where we're going to uh, come out on that. There were secretive aspects to that. And I think that that blew up on them. Hmm. Hillary Clinton knows she must repair relations with health professionals, still upset at the secretive ways of her task force. I think that that hurt them later. People weren't sure what was in the bill. They weren't really sure what was going on. It just never, it sort of collapsed of its own weight. So are there similarities between what was derisively known by its critics as Hillary Care and what is now somewhat derisively known by its critics as Trump care as it moves its way through the Senate. 
Well, I mean, I think at the time that that was such an expansive topic at that time. It was so new, you know, a federal makeover of the healthcare mm-hmm. system, and people weren't exactly sure what was going on. And I think it scared off members of both sides. I think there is a political philosophy that whichever party is the mover, or they call it as the instigator on health care, always gets a backlash. Hmm. It's because it touches people so directly. It is super complicated. It's hard to address legislatively. And it's very easy to criticize. It's like, this is going to cost too much. This is going to deny people something. And, you know, it really hits home with people. It's direct. It's one of the things that the government's involved in, you know, that as the death panel debate showed, well, the government's going to be able to decide who lives and who dies. Now, that wasn't particularly true, Mm. but it was a really good message, and it really made it hard for the Democrats to move ahead with Obamacare. So, Carl, give us a sense of timing here. When are we expecting to see this Republican health care bill, or do we have no idea because it's a secret? I I think the thinking, anyway, is that they would like to get it out and considered on the floor before going home for the 4th of July. They've got a lot of things to do. Wow, so that's very soon. Yeah, no, I think you're going to see in the next couple weeks, they're either going to get it out, it's going to succeed, or it's going to fail. There are Republicans who will say, let's just vote on it, and if it fails, then we're done with it. Hmm. You know, the Senate Republicans would have been very happy for the House not to pass their bill at all, and they would have never had to do this. What you're saying, that Senate Republicans may be doing this in secret in part because that way, if it fails to get enough votes, then they haven't gone through this drawn-out public drama around their values and their vision of health care? Right, but also, I mean... They, uh, you know, it's not like you're not going to know what's in the bill Mm. when it's out there being considered. It's not a black box. You know, people have a chance to to take a look at it. But I just think for them, they have found that this is the most efficient way to do this and resolve their problem one way or the other. So, you know, it's secret now, but it's going to get out there and it'll it'll be an epic showdown. Trust me. All right, because you're basically the parliamentarian of the Senate, here's what I want to ask you. How does this actually work? It comes out, this piece of legislation, who controls how quickly it comes to a vote and what's the time between it coming out and the vote? Well, I I don't think you're going to be able to get away with announcing it one night and then passing it the next day. Although I've seen both parties try and do things like that in Congress over the years. Whether it's an appropriate amount of time, no one's going to agree with that because the Democrats think they should have been having hearings and votes and amendments and all sorts of things. But it'll it'll take a, a matter of days for this to play out. But it's not going to be satisfactory to anyone. Trust me on that one as well. They are going to uh, really rail about the way this bill was assembled. That's going to be one of their major uh, lines of attack. Carl, thank you very much. Michael, I'm happy to talk health care with you. <laughs> You really are. I am. I'm totally happy. Thanks, Carl. See you later. We'll be right back. When a world leader in power solutions pioneers technology, anything is possible. Trains powered by hydrogen. Kids taking zero emissions buses to school. Earth movers driven by electricity. Big engines made efficient by big data. Face masks made from engine filter technology to help keep communities safe. This is Cummins Technology. Go to Cummins.com to discover how Cummins is always innovating for a world that's always on.
Here's what else you need to know today. Has the special counsel, Robert Mueller, formally notified the president that he is under investigation? On Sunday, a lawyer for President Trump, Jay Sekulow, went on Fox News to face questions from Chris Wallace. Two days earlier, the president had for the first time said publicly that he's the subject of an investigation by the special counsel looking into Russian meddling in the 2016 election. The president has not been notified by anyone that he's under investigation. That tweet, Chris, was in response to the Washington Post story that alleged that five unnamed sources, anonymous sources, leaked to the Washington Post that the president was in fact under investigation. So that tweet was in response to that. There's been no notification of any investigation. Nothing's changed since James Comey said the president was not a target or a subject of investigation. Nothing's changed. But in the same interview with Chris Wallace, Sekulow said this. And now he's being investigated by the Department of Justice because the special counsel under the special counsel regulations reports still to the Department of Justice, not an independent counsel. So he's being investigated for taking the action that the attorney general, deputy attorney general, recommended him to take by the agency who recommended the termination. So that's Wallace reminded Sekulow of what he just said. First of all, you've now said that he is being investigated after saying that you didn't. No. You, you just said, no, he's sir, not being investigated. that he's being, you just said that he's being investigated. No, Chris, I said that the invent anything. Let me be crystal clear so you completely understand. We have not received nor are we aware of any investigation of the president of the United States. Sir, you just said period. two times. Um, that on Friday, the president had tweeted, quote, I am being investigated for firing the FBI director by the man who told me to fire the FBI director. Witch hunt. On Sunday, Sekulow said the president had been constrained by Twitter. There's a limitation on Twitter, as we all know, he said. And the president has a very effective utilization of social media. And there were rulings in two court cases we told you about on Friday. In Norristown, Pennsylvania, the judge in the Bill Cosby trial declared a mistrial after a jury of seven men and five women, ten of them white, two of them black, declared they were hopelessly deadlocked about whether Cosby had sexually assaulted Andrea Constant, one of more than 40 women who have accused him of sexual assault. Uh, we will evaluate uh, and review our case. Uh, we will take a hard look at, at everything involved, uh, and then we will retry it. Um, as I said in court, uh, our plan is to, to move this case forward uh, as soon as possible. Um, we have one victim. Um, we have Andrea Constant. Um, she has shown such courage through this, uh, and, and I think I share um, our, our thoughts on, on her. We're just in awe of uh, what she has has done. And in Taunton, Massachusetts. Scotta, please stand. This court, having reviewed the evidence and applied the law thereto, now finds you guilty. A judge convicted 20-year-old Michelle Carter of involuntary manslaughter in the suicide of Conrad Roy after concluding that Carter had told Roy over the phone to get back into the cab of his pickup truck and then listen to him die from carbon monoxide poisoning without trying to help. That's it for The Daily. I'm Michael Barbaro. I'll be going on vacation starting tomorrow. My colleague Caitlin Dickerson will be hosting while I'm away. See you soon. When times became uncertain... 
Womply pivoted their technology platform and committed to help small businesses and self-employed workers get approved for their PPP loan. In just a few months, Womply has helped 1 million businesses across America to secure much-needed funding so they can continue to stay open and serve their communities. Womply helps small businesses thrive. Visit womply.com to learn more.